Hey, pull up a chair. Attacks on Tap with David Axelrod and Mike Murphy. We'll choose hope over fear, facts over fiction, fairness over privilege. I'm a proud Democrat, and I'll be proud to carry the banner of our party into the general election. So it's with great honor and humility, I accept this nomination for President of the United States of America. That is the voice of your newly minted Democratic nominee for the 2020 general election, former Vice President Joe Biden. This is the voice of guest hackeroo Robert Gibbs, uh, former White House press secretary. And you're probably wondering, why are we, why are you hearing a second show? And why are we hearing you? That's what we want to yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Who's this why guy? You, what, what the? <laughs> you, 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 it's, we ran over here right after the convention. We wanted to get a second show in the can, and we've got a big announcement that you heard Murphy do earlier in the week. We're going to start a second show. Um, there's probably enough material for 10 shows. There's not enough of our time to do 10, so we're going to do a second show. Uh, I am uh, honored and humbled, much like Joe was, in accepting the Democratic nomination <laughs> um, to accept the uh, uh, the nomination to anchor, uh, along with some other guest hackaroos, uh, a second show every week, uh, and to be part of, uh, continue to be part of uh, this great discussion. So let's uh, let's. There bring will be fireworks, by the way, to celebrate your installation. Yeah, we got the, a couple of guys of waiting in the parking lot. Now we could only round up a couple of winos and my third cousin, but it'll still have the spirit of celebration. I hope they don't blow themselves up. I was going to say, I, I, you guys, I'm going to the parking lot with you. I'm not going to some parking lot in Chicago at midnight. And fireworks. So speaking what, of fireworks, what do we what do we think, guys? It's in the books the most unusual and I would argue maybe the best convention yeah. uh, that I've seen. And I've been to a lot of them. Uh, but uh, what, what, what happened this week from uh, your, from your standpoint? Well, I'll, uh, one, I'll agree. I've learned two lessons from COVID, which is one, you don't need a traditional convention and two long pants are really not that necessary to live and <laughs> prosper on zoom. Um, I thought, you know, I'm always schizophrenic. I'm like Sybil on these conventions because I'm a Republican. I'm not signed up to allow this left wing. No crap shit. You guys well, thanks for to. the news flash. Yeah, I thought, I thought you, if you were unclear about that. So I spend most of my time screaming at the screen. Uh, but there were some real high points and trying to be an analyst about it. I had two questions. One, did they move the ball forward or backward? And there's absolutely no doubt they moved it forward. Um, they filled in the Joe Biden story. Uh, in my view, they could have even done more, but they did plenty, got yeah. better every night. And second, did Biden do what he had to do to rise to the level that he crushes the Trump senile Joe thing and performed adequately? So I went in there with expectations of adequate and, you know, he knocked it out of the park. It was yeah. really a it was the best Biden speech, not because of oratorical heights. He had a couple, but it was so authentic to who Biden is. And it even better than the convention, which I think was excellent. It caught the mood of the country, which was unity, steady, competence. We can rise above this. Uh, all the all the things he said about hope versus fear. So I, I thought Biden had the moment of his life and uh, he ought to feel really good about tonight. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, uh one thing that Trump has done for Biden, and it's going to work in the debates as well for him, I think, is expectations were so low and, and they were mm -hmm. set by Donald Trump. Uh, and, uh, you know, 
Biden went out there and far exceeded it. And you're right; it was it was it was an authentic speech um, that he gave organically. It didn't feel as if he was reading a speech. It felt like he was giving a, a, mm-hmm. a talk from his from his heart and um, did it with energy, very strong. Um, yeah, I I thought Gibbs he. Um, he, he he really you know there, there are four big tests here there's this and the three debates i right. think he cleared the bar pretty smartly tonight absolutely and i i i can't help but think how much not having to worry about the performance in front of 20,000 people probably helped tonight uh i think also these quiet venues lent a different level of seriousness to the mm-hmm. seriousness to the words that were spoken uh, and gave real consequence to their meaning. Uh, I think that helped the big speeches. It helped both of the Obamas, um, not that they can't do it in front of a big arena. I think it helped Joe Biden in a big way. And I agree with Murphy that in the end, does the country come away knowing more about the person uh, and the platform, if you will? Uh, and I don't mean the 60 pages or so, but that what, what they're going to do uh, in a serious time. And I think both of those uh, were greatly exceeded over the past four days uh, by the Democratic Party. Yeah, you get a feeling you know really who he is. And I, I'm going to put in one plug for Ronald Reagan here, X, and then I want to hear your point. But, I, I, you know, a little equal time. But I'll tell you. One thing about the Democrats that bugs Republicans. We stop there. No Coolidge, okay? <laughs> no, w- one thing about the Democrats is often, at least it's a, a thing that we Republicans tend to exploit the other way, is the Dems have a tendency to look at the country as a bunch of groups, you know, a, a confederation of groups. Republicans do the yeah. one vision, shining city on the hill, not a competition of different parts to make up the whole. Biden did it the Reagan way. There was one vision there. There was no identity in that. We're all Americans. We can beat this thing if we actually have a president. And I thought that was a masterstroke because that is the most powerful way to communicate unity, not talk about our differences, but talk about how we're together. And I thought he did that better than anybody. Obama gets into that, I think, in an adroit way a lot. But, but Biden really nailed that. And he also put a little dog whistle in for those of us who were committed to beating Trump but barking at some of the convention rhetoric where he said, I'm not looking to punish anybody. That, that mm-hmm. was an important line for a lot of the breakaway indies and repubs who don't quite trust the Democratic Party watching this and inoculated well against what's coming next week. So I give them five stars. Yeah. Um, the, this issue of getting to know him better, it seems so important to me uh, because, you know, people have made a judgment about Donald Trump. And in, in fact, uh, the Trump, uh, you got to ask whether if you could change anything in this week, would you have changed? Would you have dialed back the the some the Trump lashing uh, a tad or two in exchange for more Biden? Because uh, I think the people who are on the bubble, the soft Biden voters, uh, are people who need reinforcement who don't know that much about him. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy's been around politics fifty years, but you look at these focus groups, you look at polling. There are big gaps in people, or yep. there were big gaps in people's knowledge of them. And that, of course, is the great advantage of a convention, uh, because you've got this audience uh, that's fairly large, uh, and you've got an, uh, no filter, and you can give them any information you want to give them. Um, and I think to the, to the extent they did it, and they did a lot of it, 
uh, kudos, by the way, to my buddy Davis Guggenheim, who did a lot of the films for about Biden, mm-hmm. the, uh, the 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 Amtrak that was excellent uh, film, the McCain film, uh, the film tonight, the Violence Against Women film. All of them really gave people a richer sense of Biden as a person and also as a public official and what he's done in his public life, which is really important. So I think he performed up to uh, the, the level he had to. He was energetic. He, he The language was right, uh, unifying, as you point out, Mike. I thought he, frankly, had uh, the right edge of populism in his economic message, uh, which is important. Uh, and he delivered a scorching indictment on um, on COVID. Yeah, heartfelt, uh, too. You could tell. That's when his speech really came alive. I thought the first, you know, um, uh, first third of it was rote but adequate. And then the COVID thing sparked something in him, and he just shifted into who I am mode with, you know, the most powerful thing in politics is authenticity in our cynical era. And I believed every word he said, and I thought it was right from his heart. And I agree with you that um, if there was a thing to work the mix master on, it was they could have, the Biden story is good enough. They could have told it more because that's the only loose bolt on this entire election. Who is Joe Biden? We know who Trump is, and that ain't changing. I, I, I kind of grimaced tonight, Gibbs, uh, when Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who I love, uh, inserted jokes that were yeah. you know, anti-Trump jokes after every bit. So they do a piece on faith, <laughs> and she 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 takes a shot at Trump coming out of the— you know, there, the, there was a certain lack of sobriety— in places where sobriety was called for because she was so uh, eager to take shots at Trump. I'm not sure that was all that helpful, but uh, on the whole, pretty damn good production. Yeah, and we talked about this over the course of the week. Um, You know, those those shots, that funny, you know, ha-ha Donald Trump joke, uh, you know— it tends to make people in the hall feel good. Um, it's not directed at the very small number of people left mm-hmm. that will decide the outcome of this election. Uh, I, I, like you guys, I, you know, I'm always over, I would always over index more on the Biden story because as you said, uh, David, I, I think the, the electorates decided they they don't want to rehire the incumbent. The question now is, do they want to hire Biden? And I, I thought the, maybe the most powerful endorsements were, were not the big names or the politicians, but uh, I loved, like Murphy did, the Amtrak video. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I loved the security guard from the New York Times, mm-hmm. mostly because it's, a, it's also a great sort of thumb at the overall establishment. Uh, I loved tonight's story uh, of uh, the 13-year-old yeah, from New tremendous. Hampshire, the, the stirrer. That, um, that kid, Braden. That was one of the most moving pieces. I mean, there were several times during the, yeah. this week when I was moved to tears, and that was uh, one of them. That kid was so brave and courageous. When you're uh, watching that video, that picture of, of, of Biden at a table going through a book of poetry with that boy, and you're realizing that here's a man running to be the most powerful office holder in the world who's taken time out to give a talk to somebody like that really, really remarkable. And the poise of that, of that 13 year old, uh, going on 
TV tonight. Wow. Yeah, and 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 stuttering and stu- it, you you know that I mean so 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 brave. What'd you say? And I said it made me tear up too. And I'm a vicious Republican. You know, I I I, yeah. I, I didn't understand One more what reason all the, you get booted out of all there. the fuss about old Yeller was. But boy, that kid got to me. He was so. <laughs> So brave and incredible. Yeah. I, I just want to hallelujah one thing you said, because I tweeted this during the thing and got an interesting little Twitter storm started. I, I thought a lot of the jokes landed from Julia Louis-Dreyfus with a bad crash, and particularly the one where Biden's talking about faith in South Carolina, and they do the awkward kind of, and then she comes up with, ha ha, hey, no t-. And I thought, really? You know, it was just an no, abrupt tone thing. It was, it was really too bad. I, 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 I really, I, I thought... Um, I thought that was too bad. I, right. I, Robert Robert uh, knows we. You know, I was involved in, and, and you were involved in in conventions, but I was in deeply into the planning of of two conventions, and the thing that you're always telling people and thinking is, uh, look, the crowd is you know the crowd is there. The crowd's important, but you're really talking to people at home. You're talking yeah. to twenty. 30 million American. And you want to have a conversation with them. What this format allowed was right. that. The, it was the intimate conversations. They could pull people in from anywhere in the country and they could talk to people all over the country right. uh, without the theatrics of, uh, of the arena, which is kind of an anachronism mm-hmm. in many ways. Uh, so I, I thought that was... The funny really... hat manufacturers for conventions. <laughs> yeah, they're pissed. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no. It, it, it's out the window. You know, also being in an old phrase Alex Castellanos used to use about TV spots like this, naked on a rock, where it's just you and the camera. It strips it down to kind of an intimacy in these speeches and takes all the bullshit away, and it just raises the stakes. And, Alex, I think I saw you say on uh, on the greatest political team except for MSNBC or whatever uh, earlier tonight, and I totally agree with you that can Trump play that ball without the energy of crowds? And Biden proved he could do it tonight. The other thing we all know from handling candidates is Biden's going to feel like King Kong now because he just walked up there and did the Babe Ruth thing where he pointed the bat in the corner and wham, the the ball's bouncing down Michigan Avenue now uh, to mangle a Cubs-Yankee thing. Uh, so it'll, it'll help Biden's performance going forward because he, he, well, I mean, and I think, look, I, I think the next big thing that he's going to have to deal with, and maybe the most important day in this whole campaign, circle it on your calendars is September 29th, the first mm-hmm. debate, um, yep. because that is the next test. He passed this test. He passed it, uh, I think with flying colors. The next test is, can you stand on a stage with Donald Trump? Right. And uh, hold your own, and um, I, I think this will give him some confidence. Mm-hmm. He's going to get a lot of of reinforcement on this. There too, I think Trump will continue to, unless he gets smart about it. But I, I think he loves to troll people too much. He's going to continue to drag Biden, uh, you know, to to dog him about you know his mental acuity and so on. And he's going to lower the bar. Yeah, uh, for yeah. him, and he's setting Biden up for a good. Yeah, it night. sure didn't work tonight. Ooh. Trump said, "Hey, watch him drool," and next thing you know, he heard the again the crack of the bat and the balls and another zip code. And we're, <laughs> now, now you know, Trump's a guy of some expectations. Uh, so it's it well, was a good say, shift tonight in the dynamics of the race in Biden's favor. I think. Well, and, and, and you know, let's pick that up, Mike. When you said um, 
when you said, what does Trump have to do? And is Trump capable of doing what it is you would say he has to do in order to make some progress? Understanding that he is at some level behind in this race. Uh, it, it's a race that will get tighter, but he's got to add mm-hmm. vote. And, and I don't know. Uh, I'd love to hear what you have. To, what it, if you're on his team, uh, let's, let's, let's All fantasize right. for a second. Let's go. Let's uh, what, what, what are you doing? What is the best of what the Democrats did that you want to copy? Assuming you can in a short period of right. time. And, and, and what do you want to improve on? Well, you know, I've said for a while about, the, I would start with medication because uh, the, the, the problem for the Trump campaign people is they're kind of like the guys on the other side of the counter from John Belushi in the famous SNL cheeseburger sketch. It's going to be a cheeseburger with Trump. He can't serve up, you know, the smart campaign would have done a lot earlier to reach out beyond the cul-de-sac he's stuck in with grumpy old white guys, you know, that love him to get get other people like the suburbs back. So he doesn't have the normal tools. You know, we're used to the big menu of stuff you can do Well, with Trump not going to happen. So I think what they're, you can all kind of, you can kind of see it now in the advertising. Trump wants to give a big speech. They're going to try to stage it with presidential strength. I thought, you know, for all I knew it would be in front of Air Force One. They're talking, I guess, about Rose Garden or the White House. But it's still Trump alone with a prompter. And he's done that a few times and it's always pretty awful. So I think 90% of their convention is going to be, all right, Biden told Biden's story. Now we're going to tell Biden's story. And it's all going to be ideology. We're going to go through the voting record. We're going to say Kamala Harris is second most liberal senator, according to the nonpartisan yada yada. We're going to have cops talking about beating up, being beaten up by thugs. Uh, and we're going to have tales of woe from around the country due to disorder and, and the crazy left and all these vile forces that are out there. So, it's going to be yeah. kind of McGovern attacks on crazy, dangerous leftism and voting records, plus Trump doing kind of his law and order Juan Peron stuff. And, you know, it'll be one note. It'll be sloppily produced. But All right, but, but he asked a tough. different question, not what they, you think they will do, but he asked, Robert asked what you think they should well, do. fix Trump. You know, that's been the problem for three years. I just don't think they can. Um but how would I go after Biden? Yeah. yeah, I would do, you know, Biden's been in politics for 30 years. He's a, a corporate Washington senator. He's part of the swamp. And here's what he stands for. And I select out the voting record and Kamala's vulnerable to this too. Uh, and I just grind the hell out of him on all that stuff because the character contrast is unwinnable. So you got yeah. ideology. No, the, I, Ax, do you think, do you, if we look at these conventions a little bit like the mirrors of each other in some ways, the one thing we've yet to hear from Donald Trump, uh, I know that's hard to believe because we hear a lot from Donald Trump, but we, what we've not heard is how he wants to occupy the next four years uh, as a continued incumbent president. D- does, yeah, well, I don't think he has any. <laughs> what's the onus on him to lay some of that out? And, 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 you know, I, I, I agree with Murphy. I, I think that is the lens you'll hear a lot of next week. I think the question is, as the incumbent, how much repair and how much lifting of the future, to, to Mike's earlier Reagan point, has to be done? Uh, and and can, he, can he get in, can he possibly do that? Yeah. You know, my, yes, I think that would be helpful if he could paint, you know, what Biden did tonight. Well, let's play a a clip of how he he closed his uh, his speech. 
because it's sort of emblematic of um, of the tone of it, which was ultimately quite hopeful. Uh, it you know is the basic message was we are this is a terrible time. We know the way out. You know we know he doesn't know the way out. Uh, here's what we're going to do, and here's where we're going. And uh, and it was at the at the end, it was a very hopeful speech, which I think people want totally. in their presidential candidates. Totally. Character is on the ballot. Compassion is on the ballot. Decency, science, democracy, they're all on the ballot. Who we are as a nation, what we stand for, and most importantly, who we want to be, that's all on the ballot. And the choice could not be more clear. For love is more powerful than hate. Hope is more powerful than fear. And light is more powerful than dark. This is our moment. This is our mission. May history be able to say that the end of this chapter of American darkness began here tonight as love and hope and light join in the battle for the soul of the nation. And this is a battle we will win and we'll do it together. I promise you. Thank you. And may God bless you. And may God protect our troops. So that's the way he ended his speech. and. Um you know, it ultimately had great uplift to it. You know, can Donald Trump go there? You know, my get my sense is I was watching yesterday and I saw, um, you know, Democrats took uh, time to do a bunch of very emotional issues, gun, uh, gun violence, um, immigration, climate change. Um, and, you know, you can just see them doing the other side of the equation, uh, you know, Second Amendment uh you know infringement you know they're coming after the second amendment they're uh you know going to open our borders up i think you talk about people who they're going to pull in i would guess they'll do what they've done before and pull in people who's you know who who have suffered crime uh, crimes at the hands of some illegal mm-hmm. you know undocumented person um you know the, the the climate change they will invert and talk about it in terms of you know destroying american jobs and american energy i don't think i think that's what his vision's going to be it's just going to be a vision in opposition to what he calls radical uh radical democrats I, radical I, I think leftists. that's correct but i think they're going to add a new wrinkle that he's hinted at which is the democrats in control the well the democrats in the control of the left want to tear up American history and throw our values in the ash can, and I will defend them. They want to apologize for our greatness. They want to divide us into groups that fight each other. He'll, he'll be the guy standing athwart that, the you know rule of law out the window, violence on the streets, um, throwing statues yeah. of Benjamin Franklin in the water. You know he'll, he'll be the country is spinning into anarchy, and the woke left are anti-democratic they're they're hostile they're against speech and i stand before that to stop it and i'm the security here i'm the i'm the braver future i I think that'll be part of their formula this time my question on that murphy is can can you do that as the incumbent watching some of that happen in your yeah well trump said his best when he's against something and it's hard when he's the incumbent because he wants to run against himself you know the president's failed to protect anybody he it's one of his many problems. The other thing is, instinctually, Trump always wants to win the Republican primary. 
So all the messaging is always there, and that's a, you know that's not enough. And I just don't see him changing it. One of his people told me yesterday that you know well really he it's like he's the challenger and Biden is running as the incumbent. Um, and that you know that may be true in the sense that Biden like tonight he spoke as uh, almost a president in in absentia, president in waiting um, for a country that's yearning for leadership. But in another way, to Gibbs's point. Uh, we're in the middle of these crises and there's only one president Mm -hmm, and that's Donald Trump. And I I think, uh, you know, the thing that was hammered relentlessly in this convention was just his abject failure to rise to this occasion uh, still continues to believe that he can spin a pandemic even as we close in on 175,000 deaths. Let's just uh, take a little listen, can we, Robert, to uh, our old boss, uh, on Wednesday night, which was kind of an extraordinary, uh, deeply extraordinary. Yes. Yeah. Because he kind of summed up the argument. I have sat in the oval office with both of the men who are running for president. I never expected that my successor would embrace my vision or continue my policies. I did hope for the sake of our country that Donald Trump might show some interest in taking the job seriously. That he might come to feel the weight of the office and discover some reverence for the democracy that had been placed in his care. But he never did. For close to four years now, he has shown no interest in putting in the work, no interest in finding common ground, no interest in using the awesome power of his office to help anyone but himself and his friends. No interest in treating the presidency as anything but one more reality show that he can use to get the attention he craves. Donald Trump hasn't grown into the job because he can't. And the consequences of that failure are severe. 170,000 Americans dead. Millions of jobs, gone. While those at the top take in more than ever. Our worst impulses unleashed. Our proud reputation around the world badly diminished. And our democratic institutions threatened like never before. A brutal takedown. and that He summarized the case against Trump mm-hmm. That, that we heard again and again during this uh, convention. Uh, and that's the problem. You know, we've said it before here. People think, that before you heard a lot of people say, well, he's kind of a jerk, but things are going well. Economy's fine. Now, all of a sudden, his character traits have become so costly. And the cost of those traits were on display in a lot of what we saw this week at the Democratic Convention. And I don't know how you navigate around that. You well, know. Yeah, that's the fundamental thing. And I thought, now, look, I know you guys are both going to attack Obama, so I'm going to defend him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> East German Judge Magazine called. We've made the cover. But uh, uh, what he did and being a president he is well-equipped to do is 
make the systemic institutional case against Trump, which is we've had an aberration here and we've elected somebody who is unable to understand what the head of state does in the U.S. and has failed that bar. And because it's so damn true, it's kind of an undeniable argument based on the antics of the last four years. And it, um, there is no Republican answer to that, I don't think, other than, you know, your, the stock market's been doing okay. So I, I think it, to engage on that level is a trap for the Trump people because they, they, they can't, there's no answer to it that isn't laughable. Well, and, and it, I, if they think they can run as the challenger, not the incumbent, um, I hope they listen to the podcast and listen to that clip because uh, it is an it's it is it is his the indictment of everything he's done and every action and how he reacts to everything uh, that has gotten him to the point where he is sitting solidly at forty three or forty four percent, and uh, I thought. Uh, Former President Obama's um, speech was really breathtaking, and 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 David, you you've we've both heard him give a lot of speeches. I don't know that I've ever heard one quite like that. No, I mean the first of all the the, the degree of emotion that you felt uh, from him. Um, look, I remember I said this on TV tonight. I remember him saying um, that he. Uh, Maybe I didn't say it on TV tonight, but I'm telling you guys. Uh, I, I remember him <laughs> saying, you know, the Bushes have taught me a lesson in how to be a former president. They've given me the room to do what I thought was right. Uh, and uh, they I'm sure they didn't agree with some of my decisions, but they uh, kept held their peace on it. And he said, and, you know, that was his intention. That was what he thought he was going to do. And, you know, what you saw last night was a guy who... Uh, who just, uh, you know, he, th- these these trespasses of Trump are just so fundamental. Like I read these things, well, he's worried about his legacy. It's such a bunch of crap. Uh, I mean, I, first of all, I think he feels very secure about his own legacy. I don't think he views this in personal terms. He thinks no. this guy's tearing the democracy apart. He thinks right. he's, he's he, everything he said in that clip is what he believes, and he felt it needed to be said. Yeah, and if he doesn't say it, who who can't? I mean, once you're in the President's Club, you have a special, um, a special kind of badge where when these kind of things happen, you kind of it's incumbent on you to blow the whistle. I'm hoping we get a few more overt hints from George W. Bush before the end of the election, because you know he knows. Yeah, who I, I got to believe was home and nodding his head. Oh hell yeah, he wrote agreement. paragraph eight. Yeah, totally. I bet they're completely <laughs> in sync on this, and yeah. it's kind of time yeah. for him to stand up a little bit too. You know, David, I was struck by that the speech so much. I I, uh, I couldn't sleep last night, and I, I went back. First of all, I was trying to rationalize the 2020 Obama convention speech with the 2004 uh, convention. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it, it and and after listening to them both several times at like one in the morning, I mean, the one thing that does come through is he does talk about the idea of political darkness. And I think you heard a lot of that from Biden tonight and the idea of a brighter day is to come. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, at first, again, I was, I was having a hard time understanding or kind of wrapping my head around a candidate that had debuted 16 years ago as the one of hope really walking us through in some really dark and stark language. And I think again, in a tonality, uh, and, and 
in a performance that was just different than what you would see on a podium in front of 20,000 people. Can I just ask you something about this? Yeah. This is what you're doing in the middle of the night? I couldn't sleep. What the fuck I is wrong with you, Gibbs? <laughs> I, I, well, I couldn't sleep, and I was trying to... I, I, certain I, certain I, I, internet sites went down in Chicago, and they, <laughs> they were there staring at the ceiling, and decided it was time to contemplate the metaphysics of the president's uh, I was, uh, journey. I, you know, I, I, it was, I, you know just, I was really struck by just the way he laid it out and the yeah. with which he did it. And again, I think people probably... At first, you know, I mean, I think it took a little bit to process and to figure out, you know, this is a guy that came onto the the field essentially with a very different message 16 years ago, and it 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 underscores the depth at which he believes this is a problem and he's scared. I mean, as one of the only 44 people that have walked into and spent time in that office uh, making decisions, uh, it, it really was powerful. But I'll tell you what the link is between those two speeches. Both of them came from a guy who fundamentally believes in American democracy. Right. Well, somebody and, who understands uh, what head of state does. You know, Trump's but a it's, head of it's government. Also it's some, bigger. But it's even job. more than that, Mike. I mean, Barack Obama, and look, he takes some heat from this uh, for this sometimes. I thought the one most interesting part of that speech in certain ways was his addressing these young people who are out there protesting right. and who are deeply impatient uh, with the rate of change in this country and basically making the argument for why democracy is so important and why you need to use these tools to bring about the change you want. And and so when you have a president who's kind of blowtorching the institutions of our democracy, that that is like a fundamental uh, sin in, in in the view of Obama, the, the guy who spoke in 2004 and the guy who spoke in 2020. Uh, so where do we think, I mean, do we think that, I mean, Joe, Joe Biden came into this with, on the average, about a seven to nine point lead in this race. Do we think he actually can move numbers here or is it just moving yeah, internals around and fortifying what that, he has? That's my view. The new highly uh, acclaimed uh, USC Center for Political Future poll, where I'm uh, um, busily working away. We're, we're out with a new huge poll. It's a panel we will track for the rest of the election. I'll keep the hackers mm -hmm. updated. We have it at 11 points, which I think is reality. But the numbers that moved, I don't care about the ballot going from 8 to 10. Uh, right. I, I care about the internals shoring up that ballot, locking Biden in. I agree. In. So the turpentine job that's coming next week, which is going to be rough, and some of it's going to cut, um, Biden has some defenses to, and I think the country now, particularly in like two days from now, after all the echoes and the, the, the bites and the viral stuff, and it all moves out there, they're going to understand that he is the guy who wants to be friends with the Amtrak conductor, the regular Joe, um, who sees the stuttering kid and sits down for a while while the reporters and AOC can wait, uh, to get on the phone call. And that's who he really is. So nobody's lying about that, which in a world of cynicism, authenticity is the laser sword. And that's yeah. what the convention had its best delivered. Now, and salute to Cutter, by the way, to Stephanie Cutter, our friend, who I thought in an impossible job with her team Fantastic. had to take what could have been a bad telethon or a bad endless State of the Union response. And while it had a few beats I didn't like as a conservative and a lot of policy I don't, I thought the execution in the situation they're in was about as good as they could have pulled off it was brilliant. Uh, on the, on it the was content. brilliantly yeah, done. Yeah, so salute to her because that ain't easy. 
Um, yeah. But so the the numbers I want to see is people now knowing why they're for Biden in addition to being against Trump. I agree. You know, I said this said this last week that you look at these polls going into the convention, 37 percent say they're voting for Biden, 60 percent say they're voting against Trump. You'd like to see those numbers shift. You'd like to see those soft Biden voters harden up. Right. Or um, even say, you know, you you're know, going to lose. You're going to lose some. I, you're going to lose. Some. I'm against Trump. But, but now they can finish the sentence. And I'll tell you why I'm for Biden at the dinner table argument. And they might not have had that sentence a week ago. Yeah. Uh, well, and quintessentially, quintessentially presidential elections are different in the sense that it isn't just about this isn't just a, a statewide race that you're voting a, a, against somebody. I've, you you have to lay out a case for why why you should be hired for the job. And I, I, I one, I don't think there's probably enough elasticity in some of these national polls if they're at 10 or 11, 12, that you're going to even see mm-hmm. that much of a change in the vote. But I agree with both of you. It's those. It's that. And look, I think this is this has been a problem for Biden. Is that the voter enthusiasm for Joe Biden has just not, as of yet, been there. I think that's partly a parse. Uh, 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 um, partly is because um, they just have. We haven't had a normal campaign. We haven't seen a campaign like we're used to. But I also think. Interestingly enough, and this is why I think they had to tackle this job over the last four days, 50 years in public life, but people didn't know a whole lot more besides being Barack Obama's vice president. So it's important. And Bo Biden's dad. I think people knew that. They remembered that. But so here's my question uh, going out. If you were, um, if you, and, and, and Gibbs, I'm asking you, First, although Murphy, with his diabolical mind, probably has a few thoughts on this as well. But as a former press secretary and communications director, what would you do next week if you were the Biden campaign uh, to try and counter uh, the crap that's going to flow from the Republican convention? It's a great question. Let's start with a little story, because one of the tasks that I had in 2012 was to put together a tour, uh, where, where would we take Biden and what would we do if we campaigned? Uh, because the, the goal was let's campaign, it's a close election, let's campaign during the Republican convention. And uh, I spent quite a bit of time trying to figure this out and to try to draw it all up. And we did and we sold it in. And then two days before the Republican convention started, he pulled it all down because he said, I, you know, you just don't campaign during their convention. Um, so, I would I would put him in the role and the office of I would make him president uh, and I would act presidential. I would uh, I would I would I would do meetings on uh, on the virus. I would uh, meet with economic advisors. Uh, You're talking I, about Biden next. Biden. Week. Yeah, I, I think. Look, I, I think one of the again, I, I don't you can't reprogram Donald Trump, but I thought. I thought him running around the country this week uh, didn't work very well for him. Doing these little whistle stop tours or whatever they were versus being seen as being the president of the United States at a moment in which Biden's job was to make sure people saw him as a president of the United States. He basically, Trump walks off the stage and leaves the presidential part. Uh, to Biden, I thought that was a huge miss. Uh, on let, let me say, let me say this, Murphy. I think he should be really grateful the Democrat convention was going on because he got a scathing 
devastating report from the uh, Senate Intel Committee on Russia that didn't really get the attention that you'd expect because this other stuff was going on. And then Steve Bannon got whacked today. Yeah, yeah, no, no, they dragged him off a Chinese warlord fugitive's <laughs> yacht, you know, by his second and third shirt. Uh, it was it was unbelievable. Boat parades are important, it, Murphy. But I'm not talking. Yeah. But but Robert, my question. This is a, let me ask the diabolical Murphy. What what do you do? What kind of operation do you set up to fire back? Oh, I see. To c- correct. To, yeah. Well, you, you uh, yeah. to deal with it because there's going to be a bunch of crap flying their way. Well, first, of course, you do something diabolical. Um, so I, I would do a couple of things. One, I'm totally with Gibbs. I would go be president because it, here's what I'd be betting on. And then uh, as far as response, the Republicans have a smaller pool of people to draw from. They're not going to be doing Springsteen songs. They're not going to have too many famous people there. It's going to be the galaxy and cavalcade of Fox All-Stars. So Diamond and Silk are going to lead the national anthem. Somebody's going to drink Clorox, and I mean it, it's going to be it's going to be fourth rate. You know Gallagher will be there. Maybe Yakov Smirnov will, will be the keynote. So uh, you know, and a good time was had by yeah, all. No, no, in, in Soviet Russia, party come to you. Um, so my point being, it'll be easy to ridicule. So I, I would I would have Biden on the phone with Buffett, forty new doctors, the turnaround team play the contrast of the grown-up because we now know biden's compass we know his motive he's for the little guy we know where he's going and also he sent the dog whistle i'm going to keep the left-wing kooks under control which is important to those Mm -hmm. suburban voters so now i'd fill it in with raw competence then i'd have a bunch of vicious surrogates i wouldn't i have pitched this idea a hundred times i would take the rnc feed i would put it up on the dnc and live and i'd do mystery science 3000 if comics heckled the republican convention because it would get 100 million views, it would be funny. Go to the Hollywood people, know how to do this, and just rotate uh, uh, comics in. There's a, I have to plug my friend Dana Gold, at Dana Gold. He's part of the stand-up thing. He, he just released a viral video dressed up as Dr. Zayas from Planet of the Apes going after Mitch McConnell. It's the funniest damn thing you're ever going to hear. So I, I, would, I would do the levity weapon on Trump, and then I'd have, not Biden, but I'd have surrogates beating the absolute tar out of him. Um, yeah. that we are seeing now in slow motion what a train wreck presidency looks like. Because I guarantee you the Republican thing will have production problems too. And Diamond and Silk will miss their cue. It's just not going to be as tight. <laughs> and I would make that a metaphor for the presidency and have 100 surrogates ripping his face off. I'd do the comedy weapon. Well, Biden is on the phone with four Nobel Prize physicians and Warren Buffett talking about the restart. Right. Yeah. All right, there you go. Hey, one question though. One question. How... how- Look, the, the Democratic Party understood months ago that this was likely to be a virtual convention and began planning as such. Um, we know that <laughs> President Trump first tried to hold the North Carolina governor hostage to have the convention in Charlotte. Uh, when when Governor Cooper said no, and they moved it to Florida, and then uh, COVID didn't magically disappear but uh, uh, ran rampant, yeah. Uh, they've had less time to plan. How, how much? How, how much of this is going to impact next week? Yeah, there's going to be. I mean, their convention is like Pretty Boy Floyd. It's just running over state lines, chased by the cops. But it's all driven by Trump. Get me a crowd, and I'll talk. And it's going to be, as David's right. saying, bumpy. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, uh, I think the compa- and you know, this actually means something because right. if it looks like Democrats had their shit together, 
Biden had a convention that was well-conceived and well-executed, and they come out and they're a mess next week. It just underscores the fundamental problem, which is people think things are out of control and Trump doesn't know what to uh, do totally. about it, can't handle it, doesn't know how to manage. That's a real danger for— uh, And the press, which is you know completely in the tank for Biden, let's face it, because they hate Trump with some good reason— will run that thing up and down the road. Look at this error. Look at that. It's the Keystone Cops. So make it a metaphor. I, I want to just go out with one last plug. Unsung hero of the convention. Tremendous speech, I thought. Moving the needle both on Joe and as a good messenger on herself. Jill Biden. Jill, I thought, really, uh, really crushed it in her appearance. And uh, mm-hmm. she is, she is going to be another new data point that people are going to understand that I think helps define who biden is kamala harris by the way ah adequate <laughs> i have to go out and get some hate yeah, i i felt bad because i thought she did fine i just think it was tough after the obama speech you know i think they thought everybody thought it was the appropriate thing to do to flip them yeah and let her speak second probably it wasn't i thought her speech was better than you uh thought it was but um the thing about jill biden you mean kamala's speech was better than i thought yeah yeah kamala's speech the 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 uh the the thing about Jill Biden's speech was it for, I mean, you know, this whole story of Biden, uh, you know, the, the f- military family, right. you know, the kind of the, the f- of faith. Uh, I mean, they just so rooted him and the family in the community, you know, in a familiar place where a lot of Americans live. Mm-hmm. And it just makes it so much harder to depict him as a radical left guy or even the tool of a rad- of the radical left and i thought in in a in a strange way she was a big part of that right because she was someone we all there's someone like her that we know she's the the great teacher who changes mm-hmm. your life she's the neighbor you go to when you have a problem uh you know she's the hub of mm-hmm. her family i agree uh you know all of that you know that was just so all american Well, Um, and, and you know, I think Jill dominated night two. Uh, I still am in awe of what Michelle did on Monday night. Um, I, I, we now know that going high is reaching just up to the point of the jugular. (laughs) Um, And, uh, and what I thought though was so great about that speech is, and I've said this a couple of times this week, (laughs) I felt like I was sitting at a table having coffee with her and she just sort of wanted to say something about how she felt about where the country was going. And she's been, you know, she's been doing this in her head for a bit and she finally said it to the, the coffee. Yeah, no, it was clearly she and, has been ready to uh, kind of launch the missile. And, and, and look, you know, she's, she sold, I don't know, 15 million books last year. I mean, in in polling globally, she's probably the most popular public figure on the planet. So it's not just the ability to deliver it, but I think she had the ability to really get the freight over the threshold with yeah. with yeah. the voters. She was that, great. Look, there's no. She's one of the all time best communicators out there, which, as you know, Robert, is incredibly interesting because she was someone who who did not want to be in public life. A she reluctant not, communicator. When she the, she said a lot, I said the other day she said a lot of truths that the 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 greatest truth of all was how much she hates politics. Absolutely. But she but that those books she sold, that speech she made, they're all in the same voice. Right. It's an authentic voice. 
It's a voice people recognize and are comfortable with. Uh, no, she and did a anybody job. at if anybody at home didn't internalize this, you can hear it in the last episode of Hex on Tap, where we also and look, yes. I'm not the biggest fan in the world. I will be, I will admit it. But she is a powerful force, and she totally delivered in that speech. So with that, I think we can salute. I think really four out of the big five uh, hit home runs, and nobody failed. So that's a good convention with a lot of with a lot of uh, uh, lesser lesser but really good speakers along the way including that young kid yeah uh, he wins tonight he wins uh yeah murphy and, and ask both of you who, who do you think will be the best speaker on the other side next week oh boy um <laughs> it, we may take until next week for you guys to get an answer it'll it no it, it'll be one of the saber two senators who are doing trump light you know cotton or josh howley or somebody like that but they're, they're it, it, it's going to look like a republican primary debate the whole thing It'll be interesting to see how many who are up this year. Yeah, oh, I think a few are going to yeah have dental emergencies and really sad they can't make it. I think <laughs> they, they will also find some real person who will be compelling. To your point, Mitch McConnell announced today that uh, he was going to be busy in Kentucky all yeah, of next well, week. Yeah, well, you know, he'd, he'd like to be. <laughs> now, I know he's, but, yeah. in fairness, he's up for re-election, but uh, pretty remarkable that the— uh, Well, uh, let him know it's virtual. He can, no, he unless can join Unless you're Tom Tuperville, <laughs> you, you, you know, this is— this is no, it, it's going to be a killing ground for anybody in a in a purple state. And again, I think there are real concerns in the Republican world about the competency because Trump will be eating the script an hour before and throwing a fit, and you know it, it's just not going to have a lot of discipline. I'm guessing maybe, maybe they will rise to the occasion. I know that they're probably having a meeting right now, saying, "Oh, sweet Jesus, we saw what they did. Now <laughs> what are we going to do?" Well, the president just you know right. threw a lamp at somebody, so he's got some ideas. Well, this was fun. Our inaugural do so to our listeners. We'll be back. Axe and I will be back at the beginning of the week on, you know, Tuesday. And then Robert Gibbs is going to be anchoring our second of each week. We'll have two of these things. And again, Axe and I will be making appearances. We'll have some of our other regulars on too. So it's a festival of hacker ruse from here to the election. And Robert, thank you for taking the leadership on this one. I'm, uh, I'm excited to do it. Uh, This has been fun and to, uh, to have, somebody had to use all this material. Uh, we can't let it just sit on the cutting room floor. Well, and for us, the added benefit is we got to reach into that Alabama market. And so we went out and got a son of Alabama well, to, uh, I, to join us. Murphy has no following there. Uh, oh, wait a minute. No, I know you elected Jeff Sessions. I, I'm going to, I, I, I rule know. Alabama. I'm the, I'm the emperor. It's actually, I have an, I have a good Auburn friend too, Dr. David Hill, one of the best Republican pollsters. So you guys between you have cornered both parties. <laughs> well, I I will endeavor to get both Democrats in Alabama to listen. So, um, <laughs> well, right, thank guys. you all. Another great, another interesting week on tap. So, along with the hacks. So, I'll, I'll talk to you, uh, Murph. I'll, I'll talk to you on Tuesday. And uh, Robert, we'll see you at the end of the week. All right, fellas. See you. Sounds good. 